what you are about to hear was supposed to be a microphone check, but as microphone checks go, you have to record them to make sure you sound okay. Uh, And it turned into a couple minutes of podcast gold, so I ended up just inserting it here. Now, I'm giving you this preface because we were not planning on saying these things, uh, therefore we are not the most composed, and I think, therefore, the stories are even better, but... Uh, you also need to make sure you don't judge us because since this is a unique interview uh, episode, you will hear us discuss portions of our technological youths that uh, we would probably not insert on purpose, but they came out and uh, we decided to throw it in here. So I hope you enjoy it. May it encourage you on the state of your children or your own tech childhood. And yeah, I, I do hope that it brings a smile to your face. All right, here we go. Microphone check with Justin Pavey. Go. Check, 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 check. No, I'm sorry. Nickelodeon. Anyone? <laughs> oh, dun, 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 Is that the, was that also the one with the dog where it's like, gave you like the dog that pees on the. The dog that like, pees. <laughs> the dog that pees on the uh, fire hydrant. It's like in between shows. Was that Cartoon Network? Where that like sounds show, more like a, yeah, Cartoon Network. It would like show, like swim. the dog would pee and like the Cartoon Network thing would like fly away and it would be like, be back after the break. And after like, these messages, we'll be right back. Yes, that was it. All right, it was. Yes, you got it. All right, so I was not thinking Nickelodeon. I think Nickelodeon might have been like the, uh, like the, the radio, like the cube radio station that I couldn't listen to. Like, I don't think parents let me watch. Yeah, we only, we, we only did Nick at night. Because it was like the Dick Van Dyke show, and it was all black and white shows. We didn't watch. We weren't allowed to watch the game shows or the cartoons or any of that stuff. Yeah, or the Simpsons. Oh yeah. So we, my dad and I, we would watch the Simpsons. And but then my mom walked in one time, <laughs> and it was the episode where Bart has the camera, in, and she's like, "Fail." <laughs> Never again. And it was like, you know how usually it's it's kids, you know, and your parents walk in right when there's like an F-bomb. Yeah, and you're like, oh. every time. But that that was my experience as like a six or seven-year-old seeing my dad go, <laughs> oh, Phil. Yeah, my, uh, that, on that note, my parent walking in moment, which I probably told you about before, it was Diablo 2, where... I like friends have brought it over and I knew for a fact my dad did not want me to play. I was like, it's not my game. It's like, not my, my friends, dad. Yeah, it's my, my friends, friends are just going to play it. And he walks in through the first cut scene, which is, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, like literally just like a demon possession, like to the most horror movie extent. There's, everyone's drinking. It's kind of going like slow motion. It's in this bar and people are like spilling mead and laughing coarsely and slamming on tables. And then it turns to this guy who's like this cloaked dude dragging a sword behind him. And it's, he was fighting his demons. And he was losing. And then, like, the fire explodes and demons come out of the ground. Like, my dad literally walks in at that moment. Uh, So I don't even have time to, like, hit the power button. And it's one of those times where, like, I was looking for a power button, but computers were new. And they only had, like, the soft reset button on the front. So if it was doing something, it wouldn't hard shut off. Uh, It wasn't, like, a manual power. So I literally was, like, slamming buttons trying to stop it and pulled the cord in the back. And then, like, tried to play it cool. Like, nothing was weird. And then... Yeah, it's strange that my foot was tangled in the cord until you walked in, Dad, and it yeah. just yanked it. Free. But like, clearly had a solid ten seconds to see what was happening. So, uh, needless to say, I have never seen past the uh, cutscene of Diablo, uh, Diablo no. Two. Were your friends sent home in shame? Uh, no, just the game was not allowed inside. Physically not allowed inside. He the snapped. House. He snapped so. the. Was it a disc? He did. He that was Doom. That where he snapped the disc. He physically. <laughs> I was joking. No, Perfect. my my favorite. Uh, my favorite ever. This is like my parenting moment uh, of of like my childhood was. 
playing Doom, and my dad had specifically said, like, don't play Doom. And again, I ignored it. It came with the computer, I think, and, like, was playing it with some friends. And he came in and, like, saw us playing it. And then just, like, walked up to the computer and injected the disc and just snapped it and walked away. And, like, never yelled and never brought it up again and just, like, left us just, like... <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> it was like it. And it was old school gaming, right? So there was no like downloading it to your hard drive. I remember I kept trying to get the, uh, was it the bat file that was huge oh, on yeah. that? So you couldn't fit it onto a floppy. So right. like at try as you might, like you could fit every other file, but this one file was like three and a half megabytes and you couldn't right. split. Why didn't you file? just download it? Oh, wait. No. <laughs> oh, wait. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gospel Tech Podcast. My name is Nathan Sutherland, and this podcast is dedicated to helping families love God and use tech. Today, we have a unique episode. Uh, I think I'm going to call it What the Tech, which for you OG listeners know that that's actually what this podcast used to be called very early on. If you listen to episode one, I believe we reference it as that. Uh, but we're going to this where it's more of like a deep dive into technology, into some nerd culture stuff, uh, and I may occasionally bring on guests and uh, yeah, and do these little what the tech dives with them. And today's guest is the one and only Justin Pavey. Welcome, Justin. Thanks, Nathan. Back 22 months later. 22 months later. If you go back to episode, I think it's like four uh, out of all of our episodes, we're now in 101. Uh, Justin was on here. Go back and listen to it. Uh, it's actually quite good. I, I went and re-listened to it and I was like, hey, for number four, like that wasn't terrible. Um, but Justin, I bring on for two reasons. One, uh, because his voice makes mine sound like trash uh, and it's great to just be humbled on your own podcast. And two, because uh, Justin is a very good friend, also my brother-in-law, but we actually are friends either way and uh, and shares my affinity for nerddom in general and loves Jesus. And so as we're trying to have these conversations to help families understand what does it look like to use God, love tech. Uh, we have parents who are listening that you would describe yourself as a nerd. We have parents who don't even like the term, may not even know what that even references, and just would like all things digital to go away. Um, so we are here to speak on behalf of those in the nerdy world and uh, also uh, to remind ourselves of what is at the center of all that nerddom and how do we kind of break through that conversation. So that's what we're going to be doing. Justin's going to help us do it. And uh, we're actually making good on a promise we made about halfway through that first podcast where we said, hey, if you have nerds in your family, like put a pen in it. We'll come back and talk about it. And we are right now. So with no further ado, let's get this conversation let's started. Welcome to the Gospel Tech Podcast, a resource for parents who are feeling outpaced and overwhelmed as they raise children in a tech world. As an educator, parent, and tech user, I want to equip parents with the tools, resources, and confidence they need to raise kids who love God and use tech. Thank you to everyone who has made this podcast possible. Thank you for uh, listening, for sharing this with others. If you have not yet, please subscribe, where you will get updates on our podcast sent automatically to wherever you listen. Uh, you can click Subscribe in uh, Apple Podcasts or iTunes if you're listening there. If you listen on Amazon, if you listen on Spotify, uh, you can find that little button and click it. Uh, you can also listen to these directly off our website, gospeltech.net, uh, under podcasts, and you can stream them straight from there. They will update weekly. Uh, we also ask that you rate 
and review because it helps more people find us. So we ask for a five-star review. If we are not five-star material, we ask that you send us a note so that we can continue to improve. You can reach us, Nathan at gospeltech.net or on social media at lovegodusetech on, um, and that's all just one word. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. So thank you for being here and helping this work happen. Uh, today we are talking what the tech, we're talking nerddom, and we're specifically starting off with this idea that we promised we would talk about. We didn't know it'd be 22 months later, uh, but what does it look like to live with a nerd in the family? So let's take a quick step back from that. Justin, you're here. Why don't you give us a quick update on two years of life, uh, on what's been going on, and then uh, I guess what does that look like for you to be raising kids in your nerdy life? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, in the last couple of years, uh, it, the transition, it continues. I don't know if I yet would consider it complete. Uh, living the more rural, or rural, if you prefer, rural uh, lifestyles. So um, we are out on six acres, and in that time, we've had chickens. We've had lots of chickens get eaten. We've had more chickens. They got eaten. We've now chickens have... like in trees, right? Like <laughs> chickens, chickens like a battlefield, just like strewn about. Yeah, it's it's a way to teach your kids about uh, life and death, and <laughs> replacing them with new chickens um, and cows and and things like that. Learning to um, go out and tame the earth. And getting uh, a crash course, it seems like every day, especially every spring, in the consequences of original sin. Because when we go to do yard work, my goodness, the curse on man is there in all of its sad, pathetic glory. We just pulled these. <laughs> yeah. How are they back? Yeah, I think the weeding and working the earth reminds me more than anything else that this is a fallen world. And You're here. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, just enjoying seeing the, the four kids now ages 11, 9, 7, 5, um, continue to flourish out with, you know, having a little room to roam and the opportunities that affords. Um, and yeah, just continuing to enjoy uh, being a family, trying to do things different than necessarily the direction we see a lot of our culture going and um, just doing our best to um, raise them up in the way that the the Lord would call us to do, Lord has called us to do. And yeah, that's yeah. the babies. Yeah. And so how does that, I mean, that's awesome, right? That Proverbs 22, 6 of like, raise your children up in the way they should go so that when they are grown, they will not stray from it. And that's not a promise. It's not if we do this right, then our kids are going to be great, but it's it's a command. It's parents, this is your job. Like, let's raise our kids up. So we do that in daily life. And as we're talking here, we're saying, hey, we're nerds, <clears throat> which can mean a lot of different things to different people. So I guess, one, would you describe yourself as a nerd? And two, what does it look like from whatever your stance is, like raising kids up with that kind of interest in your own way? I proudly accept the mantle of nerd. I wear epaulets proudly with my <laughs> rank and insignia. Yeah. You, you, you hope to ascend to that full status one day. And I'm particularly proud because I've been a, a nerd my whole life before the internet, before memes, before even video games. I, yeah. If in case you thought that wasn't possible, it is possible. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's what I've really enjoyed. This makes me think back to you asking the last couple of years is the pride and joy of seeing my oldest, Remington, enter into um, the apprenticeship of being a nerd. And uh, I didn't even have to do anything to make it happen other than probably being myself <laughs> <Right>. yeah, <laughs> and embracing the things that 
he's interested in, which lo and behold, are probably pretty similar to things I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think there's a few things around the house that can give you some evidence. We have, I, I don't even know how many copies of the Lord of the Rings in hardback, soft copy, softback, all sorts of different ways. You know, some have pictures, some are just the words. Some, um, yeah, are ripped to shreds and others are beautiful. Um, that's, a, that's one. I think every day I quote things, for example, <laughs> be at peace, son of Gondor. I literally say that to my kids every day. When they're gonna, one they're of not going to know it's from Tolkien. They're going to be like, this is just a quote dad made up. Uh, for some reason, I'm a son of Gondor. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say that to my boys, my girls, and it's just whenever somebody's acting a little crazy... Peace. Do you ever just quote that there will come a day when the courage of men fails? Yeah, and um, for those who've seen the movies, I usually say it with kind of a bubble in my throat because I always noticed as a, as a high schooler when that came out, my friend and I would just laugh every time because it's like the actor Viggo Mortensen that scene. It's like he has a bubble in his throat. Like so, and I can't watch <laughs> Darryl, it now. How about that? <laughs> yeah, it just makes me laugh every time. So. Yes. So yeah, lots of lots of terrible quotes. I reference things like The Last Starfighter with great frequency, yes. which if you know The Last Starfighter, I I you know, fun fact that may or may not be true, but in my in my mind it is. It's the first movie to feature computer graphics in the special effects or at least as the primary special effects. So, okay. I literally <laughs> recently watched that with my dad also a nerd, and uh, it was as great as I remember. Oh, really? Though oh, it's aged all right. It Well, sort of. So what I hadn't realized before was 10% of the movie is actually in the Starship co- uh, cockpit, maybe more like 5%. The other is just fluff because they clearly couldn't afford the budget <laughs> of the special effects. Yeah, because it's all just like to get him into the ship, right? Yeah. Like it's like the arcade game and the alien finding him and like... Yeah. All that stuff. Spoiler alert. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah. But also, it it depicts a dream of mine as a kid. Like, oh, if I go play at the Bowling Alley Arcade, maybe if I get the high score playing as Wolverine with, you know, the X-Men oh, eight-player so co-op game. So good. I will be recruited to be an X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> I did beat that game, but it did not happen. My dreams were dashed. <laughs> Rats. All $20 and quarters wasted. Um, which, by the way, uh, I'm going to throw this in right now. This isn't what I asked you, but um, we should insert right here. That was like a crazy dream for us growing up of like, man, if I was good enough at video games, wouldn't that be cool if like someone was watching that and like came and brought me to this future I never even knew existed? And I did something of value, which, if you've ever read Ender's Game, can work against you folks. So no spoilers there, but read Ender's Game. In this case, like, this is a real thing now for kids. Like, you can have an 8, 10, 12, 14, 18-year-old who looks at gaming and says, if I'm good enough, I'm going to get recognized by a professional team, by a streaming service, by individuals out there who can actually make this a living for me. Like, that's not hypothetical, and that's not crazy anymore. The odds of it are... I mean, one-tenth of becoming a professional football player. It's literally uh, a decimal point and four zeros and then a four. So like that, those are your odds of making that, but it happens. Um, I mean, just for an example, folks, there's 250,000 game or 250 million gamers just in the United States. Uh, there's a hundred paid professionals on teams. So that's uh, like your esports. Um, sports teams like soccer and basketball teams, uh, so FIFA and, and NBA have teams. Uh, then you have games like Overwatch, League of Legend, um, 
Counter-Strike is actually still rolling, so CSGO is out there. Uh, and then you have a few people who are still running tournaments for things like StarCraft II. Um, did I mention uh, Dota? I don't think I did. Mm-mm. So Dota Dota II, uh, Defense of the Ancients, would be like the original pro game other than StarCraft. Uh, so, though, But there are people making paychecks, and then you have people who are like, streaming services so um oh my goodness they're all gonna slip my brain dr disrespect is the only one i can think of don't look don't watch that uh he will (laughs) he will swear and it'll make me look terrible but that's the reason i use him is he was entertainer of the year two years in a row and he's not great at video games but he's great at showmanship and now his full-time job is playing video games and people watching if that makes your brain melt just know he's doing very well somewhat from the streaming services uh he streams for youtube but also from just ads. He sells people's products and he puts their names out in front of millions and millions of people. So this idea of this movie you just referenced of like this guy's playing an arcade game and he gets brought in to save the universe because he's such a good starfighter is actually something that kids are thinking like, oh, I'm playing Fortnite. There is a tournament for Fortnite and actually a 15-year-old two years ago won a million dollars from the UK. I believe it. So keep that in mind that when we're talking nerddom and future and opportunities, we can no longer say, well, that's not an option. We need to focus on something bigger than that because it still may not be a good option for our kids, uh, but we do need to, like, they're literally our last Starfighter kids. We're just getting plucked off of TikTok and streaming services and placed into places of fame and wealth and quote unquote success, um, seeming success just based off their digital world and uh, personalities and talent. So, yeah, Last Starfighter. And then that bringing around to Remington has picked up the mantle of a nerd. Back yeah. to your story. Thanks well, for the aside. No, it, it actually, you know, that's funny you mentioned that with The Last Starfighter and the sense of like, oh, wow, look at the value. Look at the, the heroism that Alex Krogan, can I whip his name out? <laughs> oh, going. Uh, was, going able to, uh, was able to obtain. And so, yeah, it is, it is such a weird shift in the world to think that that kids could be thinking in terms of, I can make money doing this. I actually know a guy who, um, he's trying to finish school, he's working as a developer, a software developer, and friends of his that he used to be on gaming teams with, they just went full-time with that, he went the school route, and now he is tempted to say, you know, I'm going to finish school, but screw working in a regular place. I'm going to go join the team because they're all making more money than he will out of the gate as a new software developer. Oh, man, that's brutal. And so <laughs> he sees that temptation into him. It's like, well, that was super fun. It's easy. And I get to hang out with my friends all day. So, yeah, yeah it can hit close to home because, you know, in this conversation I was having with this guy, it was just kind of a joke like, oh, you know, oh, cool gaming. You must be a professional or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, well, I actually used to be. Like, what what oh. game? Um, I don't think he's specified, okay. but I think right. he's a first-person shooter type. So yeah, yeah he's it could one be of something like yeah. Oh man! Oh, we might need to do art. Right, we might pin this for a future promise. We'll come yeah. back and talk esports and pro gaming at some point because that's an hour we uh, we will never get back. But right now, you are raising up these. You would still describe yourself as a nerd. And yep. full disclosure, folks, um, I my only reticence in taking on the mantle of uh, nerddom, as you put it. Uh, putting on the pauldrons of oh, digital excellence. of power. <laughs> yes. Is that uh, it's almost like so mainstream now that like nerddom has become cool. And specifically what I love about nerddom is not um, this idea of, well, I, I am 
passionate about video games specifically, but I'm passionate about like the story and about the experience and the adventure that comes with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really powerful. And actually we had talked about bringing this up later, but I'm just gonna read it now, okay? So um, actually I will wait because I don't wanna jump the shark here or just cut myself off, steal my own thunder. Uh, So I would say I am still a nerd uh, and you would know this based on similar like where my sons gravitate like you can watch the things that they go to right they they know that we love the lord uh, and that god motivates all the stuff we do they uh are just intrinsically interested in things that are a little bit offbeat um and whether that's like a type of board game or a story or a book cover like they just like they'll pause on those things because their brains get captured by kind of the uh the immenseness of it and i feel like nerd culture respects a lot of that, not because it sells well, but because like it makes something inside their brains tick. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings us to, all right, so let's say we have a nerd in our family. So mom and dad, I'm talking to you. You have either a spouse, uh, as my wife says, she was not fully told how nerdy I was prior to marriage. <laughs> she would have liked to see this in writing. And I will say I've nerded out a lot more since then. I actually thought uh, kind of from high school going into college, like, well, I'm going to college. And this is something you grow out of. Like, you just aren't into Lord of the Rings as an adult. You're not into video games as an adult. You're not it. These are things that you grow out of because you, when you become a man, you put away the things of childhood, and these are clearly childhood things. So I did. And I graduated college, and I started working, and we moved, uh, and I became a teacher. And I realized, like, it's been probably eight, ten years And like, there's this part of me that like keeps coming to the surface and I don't know what to do with it, right? Just these thoughts or conversations or questions about things that don't exist or fictional books or like interests that I've gotten. Like, you know what? I'm like, I'm going to find like a healthy way to express this. And obviously Justin was in my life uh, and other friends who came in and I realized like, man, this, this doesn't make me not love the Lord. At the time it was, I was wrestling through my unhealthy gaming and I thought, that nerddom was the unhealthy part. And I realized, no, it's these video games. Like these video games are requiring more of my attention and heart than I should give them. So then we have this question. All right, families, we have a nerd in the family. They are drawn to this stuff. How do we love and support that young person or that spouse who seems drawn to the fantastical, the incredible, and the fictional? And then the second part of that is what lines do we set? How do we know when it's just an interest and this is how they're wired and this is an unhealthy escape or uh or distraction yeah uh, regarding the first part there i think we even touched on it a couple years ago in our last conversation um where ultimately the foundation of the things that are interesting and exciting the 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 pursuit of adventure or heroism uh we talk about this a lot in in our house it's like we know that the lord is the source of every good thing and the things about um nerddom that are attractive, those things that some of those things I just listed are ultimately they come from our love of and and knowledge of Jesus and mm-hmm. and God. Like he's the one who put those things on our hearts. Like any person's sense of adventure or um or the getting choked up or teary eyed because the music is stirring and somebody, you know, is going to lay down their life for another. I mean, Jesus literally said like, there's no greater love than that man would lay down his life for another. So it's like those things are at our core because they are things from him. So if there's a particular character or a scene, you know, um, my favorite, you know, Gondorian <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, I do. death sequence, <laughs> then it's like, 
Are you talking Boromir? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like that's what is makes it so moving. Oh, it's so good. Is that you're actually getting a little glimpse and window into um, the Lord and and the, the the love that was shown and the power in Him laying down His life for us. And the even better part was that obviously He didn't stay dead, but He rose again, and that's why we have hope. And so yeah. I think that's an important thing to remember is, you know, in the end, you're still looking for the Lord. You're looking to um, things that remind you of Him or draw you to Him. Now, this leads t- to me, it leads to your second question is, well, what about healthy boundaries and yeah. and whatnot? And so I, I think what can happen is if you lose sight of, you know, who's the center of all these good things, and if the, the things themselves become what you're centering yourself on, that's where you start to have danger, where it's, I only want to pursue this for the pursuit's sake. Or or if you have a hard time, like, separating, I guess, fact from fiction, right? Where yeah. you would rather spend the entirety of your life um, with your attention diverted and pulled away. And again, to me, that's a natural result of if the Lord's not the center of your life, then that's going to happen naturally. Whether you're into nerdy things or you're into more uh, formerly mainstream things like sports or whatever. Right, or work or right any of these things where you can dump your focus and your effort into in a, in a I guess, a last-ditch effort for hope and, and kind of seeking those things that can't hold our hope. Uh, I would agree entirely with that. And I think parents, what's important for us to hear is is that there is this kind of two-pronged approach. Um, we have to recognize that anything that brings us on wonder is coming from the way the Lord built us, right? Sunrises do that, stars do that, uh, the vastness of space, the depth of the ocean, the beauty of a newborn child, um, the, the, the experience of someone loving us well, not just romantic love, but accepting our brokenness and bringing that before the Lord and loving us despite ourselves, right? Not to spite ourselves, but in spite of. Uh, and we we recognize that, right? And those things are in stories going back throughout all of human history. And you're going to see, I mean, the classic heroic journey is this generally story of redemption and fulfillment and the coming back and making right of things that were wrong. Uh, And we see that in basically every human culture throughout human history, as long as we've had written story. Uh, So video games, uh, anime, like whatever the nerd is, uh, fantastical stories, sci-fi stories, fiction in general, capture that, right? That is the idea that we are recognizing this aspect of us that was built to see the wrong in the world and to hope for something better. Uh, But there are absolutely times where that, that idea, that escape becomes the hope. And now I can't handle real life, so I'm self-medicating with this escape. And this is where we look for health in our young people and we start to address those big questions. Um, and I would, I would say two things about this. One is the reset. So how do you know if it's healthy? Look at whether it affects, and the, the acronym we use is reset, their relationships and responsibilities. It does, that, it, does it impede or improve? their relationships and responsibilities, their emotions, their sleep, their enjoyment, and their time. If what they're doing helps them be better at their relationships and responsibilities, their enjoyment, their sleep, their emotions, and their time, then we're good. But if it impedes, if it gets in the way, if it distracts from, if it becomes the main thing, then we have a problem. And the question needs to be, is the problem this fictional outlet 
Or is the problem something else? And they're running to the fictional outlet. And I call this the blister and the pebble. And the example comes from my two younger kiddos. Uh, last summer, Henry was running around. Uh, he's like, oh, dad, my foot. And I, I pull off his shoe and there's like a silver dollar size blister on his foot because he was running around in wet shoes from the sprinkler without socks on, right? And it's, you can't just fix that right away. You don't lance it, you don't remove it. Like you, it's a blister. It needs to be treated with care, wrapped up neat, uh, neatly and nicely and, uh, and cared for for a week and a half, two weeks before that thing will be uh, safe to operate on. Whereas Hadley, a couple days later, running around in the same cul-de-sac, oh, dad, my foot, and I pull off her shoe, and her pudgy little one-and-a-half-year-old foot has a pebble just jammed in the middle of it, right? Remove the pebble, put the shoe back on, and she's perfectly fine. And in technology and in nerd culture, we need to ask, is this problem we're seeing, this behavior that's affecting the reset, is this behavior... The problem in itself, so is this video game causing those attitude problems? Is this video game causing the isolation? Is this video game causing the depression and anxiety? Or is the video game simply holding their attention because they have these things in another area of their life? And as a middle school teacher, I saw this in uh, abuse occurring at home or in relationships. I saw this in uh, mental conditions that were affecting their ability to function well. And video games were just their way to not fall off the side of the cliff. Uh, and then other kids were like, no, like video games are, or in one kid's case, it was just YouTube. <laughs> like, no, if YouTube is the problem. If we remove that pedal, pebble, everything else goes back to being healthy. And this kid is loved and well, and like things are going okay. So we just want to keep that in mind is just because your kid's attracted to something that's fictional, uh, in the words of Professor Suzanne Wolf, one of my favorite uh, professors from Seattle Pacific, uh, it's just because it isn't real doesn't mean it isn't true. Fiction gets at a lot of truth. Uh, we want to make sure then that we're supporting our young person in a healthful way and also not swinging the pigeon the other way and going, well, it's fine. It couldn't hurt him. It's not even real. Because we do, as nerd people, connect with that on a way that probably isn't um, I would say everyone starts as a nerd, actually. I would say every child is a nerd because they all, right, they're all fascinated and engaged by the fictional and by um, the grandiose and by adventure and captivated by those ideas. And then as we grow up, we start to, yeah, be more worried with reality, which... Well, and it's funny you should mention that because I was thinking about it. You know, it says in the Bible, this world's not our home. And so even though it might be easy for some of us to fixate on like nerdy outlets is like, well, if I, if he just stopped doing that, or if she just wasn't in that, I could relate to them more. And, right. you know, you're blaming that as a, as the problem. But in fact, I think a big struggle is that we forget this world is not our home and that we are not actually living in reality now. And let me see if I can explain that. So, you know, we know that there's spiritual warfare. We know that there's an entire other world, I guess, going on outside there. And yep. so I think a lot of these things that um, you're describing are actually things that people can do in so-called reality. You know, you, it could be your work. It could be another thing where you're just living for right now because you're, you're maybe in denial or forgetting that, you know, this is not the end. And this is just, you know, eternity for the believer has already begun. And this is just the tiniest little speck before yeah. we actually... Don't, don't live for the dot. I, yeah, right? I, exactly. I don't, remember, I don't remember who said that. Um, that's not my quote, by the way. I'll, I'll have to look that up. But 
Yes, don't live for the dot, live for the line of eternity. So I think, um, as I was thinking about that, I think that kind of segues now to your Tolkien quote, because I think he really speaks to that. So Yeah, this, this was the thing I almost said earlier. Uh, but this is a quote from Tolkien, which I believe sets us up for this bigger discussion on, all right, what does it look like if I have a spouse who's in this way or a kid that I'm concerned about? Or how do I know if I should be concerned? Tolkien's quote is simply this. Um, and bear with me, it's a little bit long, but it's, it's worth it, I promise. I have claimed, so this is Tolkien speaking, uh, I have claimed that escape is one of the main functions of fairy stories, and since I do not disprove of them, it is plain that I do, that I do not escape, oh my goodness, all right, <clears throat> ready, here we go. I have claimed that, that escape is one of the main functions of fairy stories, and since I do not disprove of them, it is plain that I do not accept the tone of scorn or pity with which escape is now so often used, a tone for which the uses of the word outside literary criticism give no warrant at all. And what the misusers are fond of calling real life, escape is evidently, as a rule, very practical, and may even be heroic. In real life, it is difficult to blame it unless it fails. In criticism, it would seem to be the worst because the better succeeds it. Evidently, we are faced by a misuse of words and also by a confusion of thought. Why should a man be scorned if, finding himself in prison, he tries to get out and go home? Or if he cannot do so, he thinks and talks about the topics other than jailers and prison walls. The world outside has not become less real because the prisoner cannot see it. In using the escape in this way, the critics have chosen the wrong word, and what is more, they are confusing not only by sincere error, the escape of the prisoner with the flight of the deserter. And that's the key concept that I really like that Tolkien hits. There's a lot of kind of older uh, prose format there, older syntax. So let's break it down. What he's saying here is we use this term escape of like, hey, escapism means binging on Netflix, watching uh, video games, playing video games, talking about fiction, reading fiction, sci-fi, fantasy, right? We think often when we think escape, we think like World of Warcraft would be like the epicenter of that. And it has been very unhealthy for a lot of people. Tolkien is saying, no, we're going to use escape in a broader term. Escape is any time you're resetting your brain on the reality around us, right? So reality uh, is that which, I guess, truth is that which best corresponds with reality, and reality is what happens when we're wrong. So I might think the world is one way, but if I act according to my set of rules, I might think that if I try hard enough that everything will go my way in life, right? That becomes my truth and I live by it. And then bad stuff happens to me and reality recalibrates, right? And it's like, well, either you weren't trying hard enough or that wasn't true. And he's saying when we escape, what we're actually doing is resetting our brains, not on the prison walls of this world, not on our finite life, but on the greater good that exists in God and his truth and love and righteousness. And when we do that, we actually think about home and we live now in light of that truth, not simply of this prison we're kept in. So escape, right, we would never... Uh, hold it against escape um, of someone who's being wrongfully held and they escape to freedom, right? We, we are hearing that in the news right now. We recall stories from World War II of either prisoners of war or people from prison camps or concentration camps escaping to freedom. And we cheer those and we, we uh, yeah, we look positively upon those, but deserting would be the other side. There's someone in a fight, right? This is often how escapism is thought of. We're in a fight for reality. We're in a fight for our kids. We're in a fight here in the trenches of real life and you are escaping. You are walking away from the battle and you're just sitting on your own and doing nothing, right? And you are a waste of space. You're a, a waste of what we could have. Why don't you come back here and join us, right? And Tolkien saying, 
let's maybe reframe that because that may not always be what's happening because just because it's not real, right? Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it isn't true. And there, there might be a greater truth than actually the things we struggle with every day. So then that brings our question back to, I am concerned as a parent. I am concerned as a spouse, Justin. What do I do? Like I have this reset opportunity. I have this concept of a pebble and a blister, but what can I do for this idea of, of understanding escape and knowing if it concerns me, if that concern is valid and what can I do about that concern? Well, I think part of it, I, I just love that escape of the prisoner with the flight of the deserter. Like you start to examine and evaluate and talk to the person in your life that you might be concerned about and evaluate. You know, we talked earlier about um, the reset concept that Nathan described. And I think rather than just from afar evaluating those things and, you know, filling out your own scorecard for that person, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, they're definitely not hitting any of those you start to have a conversation with them and engage with them and talk through those things. I mean, there's nothing wrong with literally talking through those categories and just to understand better their experiences, what they're going through, and their mindset. Because I think that will start to give you evidence of, okay, is this escape, capital E, Tolkien style, or is right. this, you know, are you deserting me? Are you deserting your relationships or your responsibilities, um, let alone are you deserting biblical truth by instead turning your heart and your love for false idols. Yeah, which we're going to get to in just a moment. I want to just return to that idea of, I think, validating the experience for both people, which that might sound like crazy hippie talk to some people listening. So I won't so, stand <laughs> for no hippie talk. <laughs> you Bear with me here, because it is, it is really important. This is something that I've seen as I've grown and as I'm raising kids and as I deal with my own wife, who is like, why are you a nerd? Um, validating this idea of like, all right, I need to understand that to my wife, this is concerning, right? Like this is something she's like, where is he going? Where does he get this from? Like, what is he even attracted to about this? Because in nerd culture, there are lots of issues. Right? There are lots of people finding their joy and a lot of game designers and anime creators and story writers who are putting things in there that are not of the Lord and that don't bring the Lord joy. Um, so we want to address those and understand, hey, my spouse, my, my, my kids, the person I'm dating maybe, is concerned about this. That's a valid concern. I don't need to write that off just because I know where my heart is. And on the flip side, parents, significant others who aren't in uh, a place of nerddom, to validate that, like, you're not going to unnerd your child. That's not your spot. They're not, this is not a problem to fix, okay? It's very possible that nerddom is a problem for them in this, and I would compare it to anything that's a problem. So growing up, I had a friend who was huge into skateboarding, and if anyone grew up in the 90s, you know that skateboarders were hellions. Uh, and this kid was a hellion, okay? He, was, he got kicked out of a local uh, private school. Oh, excuse me. He got kicked out of a local public school, got sent to the city near us, went to a private school, got kicked out of the private school for punching a teacher, um, and generally spent his time skateboarding, stealing uh, the chromies off of cars, the, the metal uh, <laughs> um, uh, air pressure caps, and the hood ornaments, right? Like this, just literally one of those guys that's just getting in trouble, and now he runs a nonprofit and is helping people get free from addiction and uh, talking about the persecuted church around the world. The Lord has grabbed his heart, but guess what? He still skateboards and he surfs and he's taught his kids to do that. And you did not break this passion he had. The Lord broke the sin that went with that passion. And I would just say in the world of nerddom, you're not going to break this person's desire to see something better than the reality we see. 
right? That's a great optimism and a great passion that the Lord has put there. You absolutely can redirect their heart. And so parents, spouses, this is what I want to talk about. If this is tied in with another sin, if it leads to pornography, if it leads to anger, if it leads to, um, I mean, even just when I said validating your feelings of sadness and isolation, and you're watching this person, as I've heard families say, slip away, and their heart and their their what God has put in them, their soul is going to, into this video game world, and that's where their investment now lies, and there is no fruit of the Spirit. Now we have an issue, and it needs to be done in relationship, and it absolutely... Uh, will not be done by you just saying, that part of you doesn't exist, becomes something different. Uh, but it's going to come from reminding them what that actually is. They may not even know what this nerd like heart of theirs is. They just know that this is the stuff that makes their brain turn on and, uh, and work in a normal day. So Justin mentioned biblical standard. Let's talk about that. Uh, because that's the second thing we do. So first is we're going to deal with it in relationship. We're going to go where they're at, and we're going to validate. We're going to recognize that our feelings are valid. Hey, I'm concerned about what's happening, uh, and now we have a conversation about that. Then we recognize that their feelings are valid. This is interesting to me. This is exciting to me. I don't know what to do other than this thing, which with me and video games, like I'd gamed, so I haven't gamed in over a decade, but when I quit video games, I had basically never made it more than, I mean, a very small amount of time without playing a video game, and video games were a major part of how I like thought through life, so... It can be overwhelming, even if getting rid of them is the right choice. Uh, yeah, it can be overwhelming. We want to love them where they're at. So when we looked and we saw Tolkien's great breakdown, and I'll just run through this. The, we look at the Bible when we say, all right, what does the Bible tell us about nerd culture? Well, first it tells us that there's a standard for nerddom. Okay, Philippians 4.8. Uh, Justin, you want to read us that? Why don't you take it oh, away? Absolutely. Finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So we're get first of all, I mentioned why I brought Justin on here to make my voice sound terrible. Thank you, Justin. Uh, Philippians 4.8 gives us a standard. It needs to be true, honorable, just, pure. There are absolutely things we go to in the fantasy world that are not. There are games we play where the, just the content is not, where the things we have to do in the game is not, and it's too far for fun. And the Lord is asking us to trust him and to give up even that heart we have for that escape and seeing the good out there. We need to change it, right? We also then look not just to what the content is, but Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians 5.22 is talking about what we produce. So Philippians 4.8 says, hey, is what you're listening to, what you're watching, what you're engaging, what you're playing, what you're reading, is it true, honorable, just, pure, lovely? Galatians 5.22 says, all right, but what about you, right? That book, that game, that thing, that movie, that discussion may be fine for this person, but what's it doing to your heart? Because I know Justin still plays video games. And I cannot... Okay? I just can't because the fruit that is produced when I play video games is not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That's not what comes out of me. In fact, if you go three verses before that, Galatians 5.19, this is more of what video games produce in me. It, this says, now the works of the flesh, we're given that we have the things of the spirit right, and things of the flesh, that the works of the flesh are evident. This is from, again, Galatians 5.19, sexual immorality, impurity, 
sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. These are the things that come out when we are plugged into the wrong source. And if your escape produces these, there's a problem, right? And that's where we go in prayer. And that's where we go back to validate your concern and pursue it in relationship. Don't just lock it down. Don't just shut them out. Uh, find a way to connect that relationship because that's really the work Jesus is asking for. Jesus isn't saying, never have these uh, excited moments of reading something fictional. He's saying, no, never let that lead to these things. And if this is what's coming up, it's coming from your heart, right? And we need to repent of it and we need to remove whatever is causing that and replace it um, in a way that is going to help us glorify God. And that's what Paul's saying in Romans 8. If you go to Romans 8, 5, it says, for those live, who live according to the flesh, what we just read there in Galatians 5, 19, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to live with your mind set on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the Spirit is life and peace, is Romans 5, 8, or Romans 8, 5 through 6. Yeah, 8, 5 through 6. Um, so we need to set our minds on things of the Spirit, which is Philippians 4, 8 and Galatians 5, 22. So we remember, it's not just Tolkien who talks about nerddom. The Bible actually addresses it, which brings us to, I guess, our kind of our closing notes for today. Uh, it's, we've covered a lot of ground that we didn't plan, but we did plan this. When we think about then nerd culture, nerddom in general, um, we're raising up a person, we're married to a person. What are some things we can do that aren't Digital. We know video games are out there. We know YouTube. We know Netflix. We know all that. Uh, what can we do for some analog adventures? Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's just something um, I feel like even in just the last year or two has gotten to be a more prominent role as my kids get older and they can do more things. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, we spend more time outside than we once did. Um, yeah, there, even a tradition in the Pavey household is my oldest, whenever it's his birthday, this is three years running now, we'll just have a huge Nerf battle. And he has his friends over, cousins over, and it's time to just get pegged repeatedly all over <laughs> with various Nerf um, artillery pieces. Yeah. And yeah, that's just something the that... The dads lose repeatedly on this. Yeah, yeah. We try to we try to have, uh, you know, I gather up the uncles, grandpa, and, and take some shots, hopefully get in a few along the way. And it's literally something year-round that the kids reference and talk about, and, oh, we got to do this one this, next year or whatever. Yeah. And so it's just things like that where it's, you know... Okay, I'll admit I've accumulated a few Nerf rival guns along the way, but you know what? I never had them as a kid. So. Yeah. What What was the one you just got for Christmas? Because that thing, what is? Oh, that? it's it's called the Hyper. Hyper is oh like my goodness. I think that's uh, Nerf trying to. You know, they've got the teenagers or preteens, I guess, with rival when you when it's the ball shooters instead of the darts. And then the next tier up, which just came out, is Hyper. And yeah. Nathan <laughs> made the mistake Christmas morning of asking if I could, you know, do a test shot at him just to see what it was like. Well, you know, he turns his back to me. I'm planning on shooting him just square in the back because, you know, how much can anything hurt on your back? Well, one of our nephews comes running in front of me as I'm sighting down. So I was like, oh, I'll just raise my shot a little so I don't run the risk of pegging my nephew in the head. Yeah, I shot Nathan in the back of the head. 
and it there was a scream. Was so painful. <laughs> um, it felt like I got hit in the head by a uh, by like a gumball. Like that's what that felt like. So that uh, it was very much more airsoft than Nerf. Um, that those rims parties are awesome, and that idea of like this is outdoor. So I know some parents are not comfortable with kids pointing simulated weapons at each other. I get that. Uh, for Owen's birthday, we did laser tag. So we just went on Amazon and got whatever the $20 set of four was. Uh, and they played in driving rain uh, <laughs> to their heart's content. And we made obstacles out of uh, cardboard boxes. We literally went to, yeah. we went the day before to Costco and said, hey, we need some extra boxes. And they let us leave there with a carload full of boxes that we taped together as barricades. Um, I would say also, so we get these kind of outdoor games, whatever that is, tag, laser tag, whatever it is. Uh, also getting your kid involved in your interests, right? So outdoor interests for, for me, that would be cycling. Uh, I love cycling as just a sport. I like to watch it. I like to do it. I like to talk about it. I like to practice for it. Uh, it's something just kind of nerdy as a hobby that also keeps my cardiovascular uh, portion of me moving since a lot of my life is sitting and writing and talking. Um, so I do that, but I can bring my boys with me, right? And they are not world-beating athletes at cycling. They like it because dad's into it. We picked it. We actually found a day here in the Northwest where it was like 50s and not raining. And we took an early lunch, right? Ran down uh, to the trail and we have a trail near our house. It's maybe a 20-minute drive away and jumped on our bikes and, and did a ride, which was super fun. Um, and this time of year up here, like all the rivers are really swollen. And so there were bridges going over the rivers and seeing the trees and there's bald eagles landing in trees, right? And just, yes, we could have watched that on a Google tour of a nature walk. And we could, right, we could have gone to a um, a prepared manicured location where they have animals in a zoo or something like that. But this was, it was wild and it was natural and it was just time with the boys, even on the drive. So making those times for something you're interested in, for your kids to come along with you and see you be interested, that's valuable for them. Yeah. And even just in the last year, I've gotten to really appreciate the world of board games. Oh, so come I, on board games. You know, you're preaching my language. Yeah. I know uh, Nathan's been uh, riding the board game wave for probably forever, but <laughs> at uh, least since I haven't been playing video games, it's uh, been a growing interest. Well, I, I just had no idea the the number, the diversity, the the magnitude of board gaming. It's been wild. So that's something I've really been getting to enjoy with the kids and with Nicole. And she really, really enjoys board games. So yeah. we might like slightly different ones. Mine are more of back to the nerdier type. Yeah, but. Uh, we can all as a family enjoy doing that. And so I'd say once or twice a week, we'll try uh, towards the end of the day to get out some games like Agricola or... Um, oh, game. Yeah, I know um, Nicole It looks like Agricola, to... by the way, if, yeah. you, if you see that one. That's the... Yeah, my, my kids call it agriculture or farmer. Since it, might it is Latin well, for farmer. So. <laughs> really, literally just farmer. So, um, yeah, that's a great one. Um, by the way, board games, I do want to put a caveat on this because there is some misunderstanding. People think of board games like they think of books, like they're somehow magical. And if we just had everyone read more books and play more board games, then world peace would be at hand. Um, I just want to remind you that Hitler read a lot of books. So that isn't going to fix us. Uh, there are board games that are certainly better than video games. But there are also some board games that are crazy unhealthy and really negative and deal with dark subjects that are going to 
turn your heart and mind away from those beautiful Philippians 4.8 and Galatians 5.22 things. So just because it doesn't have a screen didn't make it magically good. Please still gauge the content. Um, I will tell you that for myself, right, there are certain games that I'm just like, hey, this, I like the game. I like how it plays. I love the artwork. I love all the things that are game and nerd about it. I do not like the lore, right? What goes into the story? What are What's motivating the characters? What is what is the thing you're fighting for or about, right? And there are some games where it's just, it's not good if you actually look at what's happening. So please pay attention to what's being played. Don't just pick up any game uh, and expect it to be magical. But Agricola or Agricola, farmer, Ticket to Ride, Carcassonne. Uh, I know Downforce is one that my family has fallen in love with. It's a it's a very simple uh, Formula One race car game. And I've played it with uh, my two nephews who are getting into college next year, both of them engineers, very, very, uh, I would say into technology. They dug it. Like they both loved it. And I've played it with my six and eight year old sons. Um, and so you can, you can satisfy a wide range of young person with that particular you game. You never knew you could race cars with playing cards, did you? No, but I'm so <laughs> satisfied that I now can. Um, uh, just a couple more options. I would say, Whatever you can do to get your kid into serving their community. Uh, I know that Nicole takes kids to local food bank, um, and that's an awesome way to get your kids just out and seeing what the Lord is doing and what meeting physical needs does. Again, a nice way to tether them to reality in an optimistic way. Um, And anything I would say related to the arts, the one that I've said before here, and I'll say again, is just Art Hub for Kids on YouTube. They have free lessons. They're positive. There's a wide range, again, of abilities. Um, and if you really want to nerd out, you take that painting and you move it to painting miniatures. Yes. Because you need to buy Battletech and paint miniatures with your kids. It's what the Bible says. Um, okay. Well, I may not exactly say that, but somewhere in there you could get it. But music, um, acting, painting, drawing. Uh, I know you have family members playing harp and cello. We've got kids taking piano. Uh, I, whatever you can do, get some Legos, go to a ninja gym. Like the idea here is we're getting active. We're discovering these bodies the Lord gave us, the abilities he gave us and everything that goes with that. You're going to have goals and interests and disappointments and injury. And all those things are really, really positive for our kids to recognize as a part of the greater reality of part of the greater escape that this isn't the world we're living for, but all the things of this world point us back to both our need for the Lord and his love for us. And we want to make sure that that is the common thread through every conversation. When the gospel is at the center of our technology and the center of our nerddom, uh, we recognize that our technology and nerddom actually point us back to him. uh, And it also is a wonderful limiting factor on how far we allow our passions to take us. So um, do you have anything else for the good of the order for today, Justin? Nope, other than go find yourself some miniatures to paint, because it may very well be that my kids, and sometimes me, enjoy that more than playing the games they come with <laughs> <laughs> which is a real thing yes. uh that just it's it's not easy by the way don't think that it's easy but uh yeah you can you can go look that up on your own time um again the game that i encourage and suggest is BattleTech because they're fun little mechs and very few people die in the process and uh and it's it's got it's got lore that i can stand behind so um all right well with that then everybody um, thank you for listening. Thanks for uh, joining us for uh, What the Tech, episode two, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm two years removed. Uh, if you have any questions, please reach out, Nathan at gospeltech.net. You can find us again on social media at Love God Use Tech. And join us again next week as we continue this conversation about how we can love God and use tech. 
Thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a minute to let you know that just like you and your family, Purposely is also part of a family, the Krista Family of Ministries. Krista helps kids and teens learn and grow in their faith at King Schools and Miracle Ranch Camp. And Krista shares Jesus with people in the poorest, most remote places through world concern. Krista Senior Living is a community of love and care. And Krista Media is a place of hope on the radio. God is changing lives through these five ministries. And Krista is on mission to share the good news of Jesus. To learn more, visit krista.org.